Good morning, church. Good to see everybody here. Welcome to East Grand. If you are a guest with us, if you are traveling through and just visiting, glad you met with us today. And to our members who are here every day, praise God for you. When I say Harry Houdini, raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, Harry Houdini, probably the most famous magician ever, right? Harry Houdini used to do this weird stuff. And I'm going to read a story about Harry Houdini that some say is true, some say it's not. But in his book by Alton Gasky, Gasky tells a story about Harry Houdini. He said, Houdini made a name for himself by escaping from every imaginable confinement. From straight jackets to multiple pairs of handcuffs clamped to his arms, he boasted that no jail cell could hold him. Time and again, he would be locked in a cell only to reappear minutes later. It worked every time, but once. In one town, he accepted an invitation to demonstrate his skill. And in that town, when he entered the cell, he was wearing his street clothes and the jail cell door shut. And once alone, he pulled a thin but strong piece of metal out from his belt and he began working the lock. But something went wrong. No matter how hard Houdini worked, he couldn't unlock the lock. For two hours, he applied skill and experience to the lock, but failed time and time again. Two hours later, he gave up in frustration, the great Harry Houdini. The problem, the cell door had never been locked in the first place. Houdini worked himself to near exhaustion trying to achieve what could be simply accomplished by pushing the door open. The only place the door was locked was in his mind. And what have I told you this morning? I feel like Harry Houdini. And you may feel like Harry Houdini. Because you ever feel like you're locked inside of this prison that you can really get out of? Like, you ever read, like, in the Bible, like, scriptures like Romans and feel like Harry Houdini when you read scriptures like Romans 6, 18 that says, you have been set free from sin. Jesus already did the work. We're free from sin, amen? Amen. Sin cannot hold us, Amen. We have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. Well, why can't I get out of the sin I'm in? I don't want to do this sin. You don't want to do the sin. You know, you read verses like Romans 6.22, where Paul says, But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. So we know Jesus did the work to set us free. But like Harry Houdini, sometimes we still stay confined in these places that deep down none of us want to be, amen? I don't feel good about the sin I do. No one feels good about that. 
Sometimes we, like Harry Houdini, just don't know the truth about the thing that's confining us, and that's why it continues to confine us. You know, today we have prisons of confinement called fear, lust, unforgiveness, bitterness, gossip, these things we find ourselves in, and we try to do all the work like Houdini to, to get out of these sins, right? But church, what if the work has already been done? And what if we're trying to do the job that Jesus already did, and instead of trying to do Jesus' job, if we did our job, maybe we could come out of some stuff this day, amen? amen? So that's what the rest of this sermon is about the good news, because we're free from anything that's sinful if we're in Jesus Christ. Amen? So that's the first thing. First thing is it's good news if you're in Christ this morning. Now let's look at what Christ said about some of this stuff. There's a scripture I want to bring up that's in John chapter 8, verse 31, a very popular one, but I want us to look at something in it. It says, to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my, what's that word, church? Disciples. Amen. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Amen. So verse 32 says, what sets us free in verse 32? The truth. I don't set myself free. So I can't go Harry Houdini trying to get out of this prison, right? The truth sets me free. Sheldon doesn't set himself free. It's something the truth does. Now, with that understanding, the question is, I have to know the truth, verse 32 says, for the truth to set me free. But the problem is we, we read verse 32 a lot, but we don't read verse 31 because verse 31 sets up verse 32 for us. Looking at verse 31, verse 32 isn't for everybody, is it? When Jesus says, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free, he's not talking to all of us. He's talking to a specific group of people. Verse 31 defines those group of people. It says, to the Jews who had what, church? Believed. If you don't believe in Jesus, you won't know the truth, so the truth can't set you free. So it starts with belief in Jesus. But then it's not just belief. Even the demons believe and shudder, James says, right? So what else does the Bible say? To the Jews who had believed, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. So it's not just believing that Jesus exists, it's holding to the teachings of this Jesus that you believe exists. Jesus says, those are really my disciples. So scripturally, the definition of a disciple is someone who believes in Jesus and holds to the teachings of Jesus. Jesus says, those are really my disciples. Now for the people who are really Jesus' disciples, they get this awesome gift in verse 32. They get to know the truth. It, it, it's a gift that Jesus gives to his disciples. Once you are a disciple, you get to know the truth, and when you know the truth, the truth sets you free from whatever has you in bondage. So we have to take a few steps back, and we got to ask ourselves, do we believe in Jesus, and are we holding to the teachings of Jesus? Because if the truth is the thing that sets me free, I need to be a disciple, because by the grace of God, disciples get this awesome gift in verse 32, which is freedom. 
through knowledge of the truth. But we talk about holding to the teachings of Jesus' church. It's very important to, to understand what this means. Sometimes we compartmentalize our, our sin problems. And sometimes that's why we stay in our sin problems. It's not about church. It's not about, okay, I struggle with lust, so I'm going to come to God. God, get me out of this lust. God, get me out of this lust. Or, or Lord, I struggle with a bad temper, so Lord, get me out of this temper problem. Get me out of this temper problem. That, that, that never works. The key is becoming a full-fledged disciple, and the full-fledged disciple who's holding to the teachings of Jesus gets the truth, and it sets them free from lust or sets them free for their temper. So the question is, sometimes I run across people who will say, you know, God, I don't want you to, I don't want to hold to your teachings on forgiveness, but I want you to deliver me over here from worry. I'm not going to hold to your teachings on forgiveness, but this problem with worry makes me not sleep at night. So God, just deal with my worry problem, but I'm not going to follow you with my forgiveness. God won't be mocked, church. He cannot be mocked. It, it doesn't work that way. We can't say, God, I have this, I have this, uh, this lust problem I want you to get, get rid of, get this out of my life, but I don't want to deal with my pride issue. I'm not going to hold to that teaching. Just, just help me get rid of, just help me get rid of this sin right here. When we think like that, we're making a sin problem bigger than Christianity. What we have to do, church, it, it's not, and I'm going to say this a couple times because I know this is going to maybe a little different to hear, but Jesus died for your sins because he wants a relationship with you. He wants to make you a disciple more than anything. Did Jesus' disciples ever stop sinning? No, just, just, just read about Peter, okay? Just read it. Even in the Old Testament, the believers, did they, did they ever, ever stop sinning? No. It, it, it's about becoming a disciple, church. It's about saying, you know what? I don't want to just not worry. I don't want to just not lust. I want a relationship with Jesus where he is discipling me in my life. I want to commit everything I have to Jesus. I want to commit my, my, my life, my singleness, my marriage, my finances, even my grief, my, my job. I want to give all I have to Jesus. Sins and all. Issues and all, problems and all, I'm giving it all to Jesus. I'm going to hold to his teachings. And when a person makes that sincere commitment, that's when the gift of the, the knowledge of the truth is given to them that begins to set them free from all these individual things that we struggle with. But if you make your Christianity about not doing one sin or not following one rule, you will stay confined in a prison that some will even define as somewhat legalism. It's about a relationship. You ever been in a relationship with somebody who does everything perfect? You don't have any relationships if you are, right? <laughs> it, 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 God understands that better than us. It's about discipleship. And, and, and the gift God gives disciples. So what I'm saying is don't focus on, on your individual sin issue. Focus on discipleship. Focus on holding to all the teachings of Jesus. Focus on reading this Bible and getting to know Jesus. Amen? Amen? And as you get to know Jesus and you hold to the teachings of Jesus, Jesus can do something that your willpower can't do. He'll give you the truth that will set you free from the thing that is owning you right now, which is a sin. 
But what we don't get in, in, in this Christian American world is we think it's us figuring out a formula to overcome sin instead of understanding the formula is called the gospel that already overcame sin. And as I connect with the God who, who, who created the gospel, I'm reading his word. And as I'm holding to the teachings of his word, because I want to be a disciple, not because I want to be better than somebody else, but because I want to be a disciple, God's grace gives me his truth that begins to set me free from things I never could with my own willpower. But it has to be more about being a disciple than not doing this one sin. Because that one sin is not more important in your relationship with God or Jesus wouldn't have died for it. Amen. So what we do is, what I want to ask us to do is start in this book of Matthew and get to know Jesus. And whatever he teaches, hold to it. And you keep reading and you keep holding to his teachings. And you keep reading and you keep holding to it. So you're not trying to read the Bible to, to brag and say, I read it every year chronologically. You're trying, I don't care how, it may take you three years to read through the book one time or, or 10 years. Just keep reading it. It matters if you hold to the teachings that you're reading. Amen? Yeah. So when we read this and we hold to the teachings that are in this, Jesus says, that's really my disciple. And I'm going to do something for him. I'm going to give him my truth. And that's going to set him free. Or we can keep doing it our way with our own willpower. And just like Harry Houdini, we're going to try to unlock something that's already been unlocked because we don't understand the gospel and how it works today. I want to show you a scripture in the Bible that I go to oftentimes. It's in uh, John 8, 34. Just shortly after Jesus said what he said in 32, Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Verse 36, who sets us free, church? It's not my willpower, is it? It's not, see, that's, that's Harry Houdini, me trying to set myself free. The Son sets us free. The Son does it. A preacher once explained it to me like this. There was a man who broke out of jail. He escaped prison. And everybody was looking for him. He's on America's Most Wanted and Everything. So he can never go out during the daytime because if he goes out in the daytime, people will see him. And when he goes out in the nighttime, he has to wear a hat or a hood over his head because people are looking for him. He can't go to baseball games because people are there. He can't go anywhere with cameras because people will see him. And he has to be careful not to have any meaningful relationships because when people have a meaningful relationship with him and find out he's most wanted, they can report him. So he's hiding his whole life. Even though he got out of the prison, is he really free? See, that, that's, that's the best a human can do. That's the world's version of freedom. It's a knockoff version. And the same thing applies with our spiritual life. We, when we try to get out of the prison of sin on our own, it's not real freedom. Jesus is the only one. It's like if Jesus says, you know what? You're in prison. I'm going to bring you out of prison because I want you out of prison. And no one from America's most one is looking for you anymore. Now, that's freedom, right? Where you can walk around wherever you want. That's what Jesus is saying in verse 36. He's saying, the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. It's not this knockoff version where, you know, I'm not watching inappropriate things on the Internet because someone's sitting beside me all the time. And nothing's wrong with covenant eyes, but i got to watch covenant eyes so that I don't watch anything. Jesus can set you free from that. It's not that you're not struggling with forgiveness because no one's making you mad. What about tomorrow? 
See, Jesus can set you free where it's not your circumstances that you need for you to forgive or not struggle with unforgiveness. Even when people hurt you, you can still have that forgiveness because you're free from the sin of unforgiveness. There's a greater freedom that, that only Jesus can give where, you know what, it's not that you're not worrying because nothing's going wrong right now. Even when things do go wrong, you don't worry because you know you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added on to you. That type of freedom exists, but I can't get it on my willpower. I get it from Jesus, and I get it from Jesus by becoming a disciple. It's a gift from him. That's how we walk out of the door. I want to show you a video right now. Uh, if you don't mind, uh, can you get the lights in the back on that, on that back for me, please? And I want, to, I want to try to demonstrate this point with a video here. It's going to play in a second. Guys, see this? This woman is a woman who's literally trapped. Looks like a prison. It's a fire escape, but it looks like a prison, doesn't it? And next to her, you see the fire. This woman is trapped. But what is she doing different than Harry Houdini here? Harry Houdini, when he was trapped, he tried to do all the work himself. But what's this woman doing? She's allowing somebody to come into the prison with her. She's allowing someone else to open the door. She's not trying to be the Savior. She realizes she needs a Savior, amen? It's kind of hard for men, right? Because we, we want to be John Wayne, right? Yeah. No, it doesn't work that way. We all need a Savior, amen? She's allowing herself to be saved. She says, I can't get out of this thing without somebody else. And what Jesus is saying here is, it, when I saw this, it's, it, it's, it's, like Jesus, it's like Jesus can break us out of any prison that we find ourselves in if we just let him. Now look at the closeness she has to this man. Why is she so close to this man? Because with, she's going to fall and die if this man doesn't protect her. That's the type of dependency God wants us to have with him. That's, honestly, this is the type of walk God wants us to have with him. And we have this type of walk with the Lord. You know what he does? He sets us free from any obstacle that we're in. Now, how do you think this woman feels about this man after he risked his life to save her? What words do you think come to mind? Thankful, her hero. Anything else? What's that? Savior. Yeah. There's no way she's getting out of there unless somebody gets her out of there. And my question this morning is, do we have those type of emotions for Jesus when we say Jesus this morning? Because he is our Savior, amen? We're not getting out of this thing without him. But the good news is he came from heaven to earth to get us out of this sin problem. And he did. The most popular verse that we ever read in the church is Ephesians 2.8 that says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God not by work so that no one can boast. It's grace. John 8, 30, 31, we already looked at, Jesus says the truth will set you free. But I'm very interested in John chapter 1, verse 17. You know the Bible says, for the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Grace and truth came through who, church? Jesus Christ. And grace saves us. And the truth sets us free. These two awesome gifts that come through Christ do two distinct things. The grace saves us and the truth sets us free. And none of these things we accomplish on our own. 
And a big part of Christianity is responding appropriately to that truth. Amen. You are saved and set free if you are in Jesus Christ today. And if I'm already saved and if I'm already set free, when I find myself in a situation that looks like a prison, I know I can walk out of it because Jesus already did the work. Amen. What I'm saying to you this morning is this. Because if you're in Jesus Christ today, whatever you're going through, you can walk out of because of Jesus Christ today. So stop trying to do the work of Jesus Christ and understand the works of Jesus Christ has been done in your life. And what will happen is you will begin to start doing work like Jesus Christ. Amen. Like walking out of it. You can walk out of anger. You can walk out of lust. You can walk out of fear today. There is nothing that greater is he that is in me that is he's that in the world. Amen. But I know it's a stressful walk, right? Because anybody who's a Christian already knows, even though you're saved and set free, life ain't easy, is it? I remember when I was learning about how slavery ended in America, it was a very interesting thing I learned growing up. When slavery ended in America, there were still people on plantations working on the fields. So what happened was messengers would be sent to those plantations to let the free people know that they're free because they didn't know they were free yet. So imagine a messenger coming on a plantation field saying, hey, I got a newsflash for everybody. You're free. Now in Oklahoma, one time this happened, and after the, the messenger gave the news to the freed people that they were free, that they were no longer slaves, you know what they did? They didn't know what to do. So what they did was they said, how do we get a job now? How do we get an education now? How do we get a house? How do we start a business now? So you know who they went to to ask those questions to? They went to their old slave master. Now, their old slave master said, you can work here and I'll pay you. So they said, okay. And they worked and they never got paid. So the freed people started thinking to themselves. They said, you know what? Our old slave master will keep making us live like slaves, even though we're free, if we keep going to our old slave master for direction. If we want to live the free life, we got to go to someone else for direction other than our old slave master. And when they began to do that, they began to leave the plantation fields. In the same way I'm saying, church, as Christians, our old slave master is sin. He's not our slave master anymore, amen? We've been freed from sin, Amen? That's the message of the gospel, amen? And when you accept and you're saved, you're not a slave to sin anymore. But what we do, we do like, like those people in Oklahoma did. We keep going back to our old slave master for direction after we're free. And if you keep going back to sin as your old slave master after you're free, sin will continue to make you live like a slave even though you're free. So when we get upset, a lot of times what we do is we go to sin to figure out, get direction on how do I handle my life now that I'm upset? Or we, when we're scared in life, it's easy to go back to sin and say, okay, I'm scared. I'm afraid of this. Well, what should I do? So we, we turn to sin because that that's who we always used to turn to. Or, you know, when we're anxious or we're stressed or when we're discouraged, it's easy to go to sin and say, how do I handle this? Or when someone disrespects you, it's easy to go to sin and say, how do I respond to this disrespectful person, right? As long as you go to your old slave master, your old slave master will make you live like a slave even though you're free. We got to go to someone else other than our old slave master. Who's our new master, church? Jesus. Jesus Christ. So what we have to do now when we're upset this week, when we're stressed this week, when we're anxious this week, when we're going through problems this week, is go to Jesus for a direction instead of sin. Amen? 
So we got to ask ourselves, Jesus, I am stressed out today. I have more bills than I have money. Jesus, how do I handle this? My kids aren't listening to me, Jesus. How do I handle this? I'm single and I'm lonely, Jesus. How do I handle this? I'm going through this job that I don't like. I don't feel like I have a purpose. How do I handle this? I'm grieving because I'm going through this loss. How do I handle this? See, that's what Jesus says when he says, if you hold to my teachings, you're really my disciple. Don't look at this as a legalistic idea. Look at it as, you know what? I am holding to Jesus as my new, my new master. And what he's going to tell me to do is not only going to save me, but it's going to set me free. Amen? Amen? We have to go to the new master who's Jesus. And that takes time, but that's how we get out of these confinements. You know, when I came in church today, there were so many people who kept talking to me about, I guess Fultine put some pictures up about me going swimming or something. So I know this is a big deal to a lot of people, right? Uh, you saw me swimming. I guess there were pictures. I didn't, I, don't, I didn't look on Facebook, but I guess there's pictures of me swimming uh, with, with my daughter, Kaza. And um, it's interesting. Uh, when I was holding her in the water, she's doing all this stuff I can't even do, like this and legs going up and going underwater, putting her head back up and all stuff I still can't do. But uh, she's like a natural in the water, which is unbelievable. If you know me, that's, that's pretty cool. But every time somebody came up to us in a swimming pool and tried to take her, because she's cute, tried to take her and play with her, she began to cry. Because something in her said, this isn't my father. I'm comfortable in these waters as long as my father has me. But when someone other than my father comes along, something in her triggers her and says, that ain't right. And I felt like God was saying to me, Sheldon, that's the type of relationship I want you to have with me. Sheldon, I'm, I'm your heavenly father. And when you're going through the deep waters in life, when life gets deep, I want you to hold to me. But when these other voices, these other fake masters come, sin comes into your mind and tries to tell you something other than me, I want you to react like you just saw your daughter react. Don't accept it. Rebel. Resist. Don't let them take you. Because this week, when you're going through stuff, when you're in the deep waters, God's going to be there, but so is temptation. So is sin. And we got to be able to discern between God's voice and everyone else's. And when we hear a voice other than God's, we got to resist that thing, amen, so that we can hear the voice of Jesus. Because only his voice can save us and set us free. In the analogy, I know you're going to think I'm arrogant, but yeah, in the analogy I'm saying, the analogy, I, I play the role of God, Kaza plays the role of you, and the water plays the role of your life circumstances. I don't know what waters you're in right now, but it's not enough for God just to hold on to you. You got to hold on to him, Jesus says. You got to hold to his teachings. You ever notice sometimes, like we, sometimes when you try to take a baby away from the person they want to be with, they, they grab a hold of the person they want to be with like this? That happened in swimming pool a lot yesterday. She's like, no. She didn't say no, but her body language was like, no. She's holding. She's holding to me. When you hold to the teachings of Jesus in deep waters of life this week, you know what you're telling Jesus? I trust you. Not any of these other philosophies that are out there today. Not any of these other people that are out there today. I need you. That's what God's looking for more than perfection. 
for that person who holds to the teachings of, of Jesus, he, Jesus says, that's really my disciple. And that person gets the gift of the truth that sets them free. He's not looking for you to be perfect. He's looking at, for you to want to hold on to him more than anything else in life. Does that make sense? That's the, rela- that, that's the relationship Peter had with Jesus. Peter made mistakes all the time, but, but he, he, he kept holding on to Jesus even when he made mistakes. Even when he was drowning in the water, he said, Jesus, help me, right? David made all type of mistakes, but he's always writing his songs about holding to Jesus, right? Holding to the Lord, holding to the Lord. The successful people that get to heaven, it's not that they never sin, it's that they, they just wanted to hold on to the Lord that bad, you know? And when the Lord sees that, he's going to do anything for you. Now, y'all have been parents longer than me, but I've only been parents for seven months, but you guys make fun of me. John makes fun of me about how uh, my daughter has me wrapped around her finger. What if I told you, you got God like that, if you only love them like that? Can you say no to your kid when your kid's grabbing you like this, saying, please, I love you. I don't want anybody else to take. You're going to protect them, right? You're going to love. If, if we had that type of relationship with Jesus, I guarantee the truth will set you free today. I guarantee he's breaking you out of that stuff today. The problem is we want to be perfect more than we want to be in a relationship with Jesus. We don't want to be a dependent holder on to Jesus like this. We're holding on to the teachings of Jesus because we love Jesus, amen? Because we want him more than anything else. When you want him like that, you get the truth, and I guarantee his truth sets you free from anything. But the question is, do you want him like that? That's the gospel. The greatest command is what? Love the Lord with what? All your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. You know what that looks like? That looks like, God, I want you. And when he sees that, man, he can't resist your prayer. He can't resist your prayer request. He can't, unless it's a sin. But when you're holding on to him like this, truth sets you free from that stuff, you know? I promise you guys, discipleship is the answer to any problems. When Jesus says, go out and make disciples of every nation, when you make disciples in every nation, the discipleship allows people to understand the truth and be set free from whatever sins are going on in that nation. So if you want to lower the crime rate in America, make more disciples in America. Because when those become disciples, the truth will set them free from the crimes they're doing more than your protesting of them will. You want to stop racism in America? Make more disciples in America. Because the truth will set people free from racism more than you're fighting and arguing about it. You want to stop sexism in America? Make more disciples in America. And the truth will set people free from the sexist thinking. You want to stop laziness in America, people who don't go out and, and do what they're supposed to do? Discipleship and the truth will set them free because how many times did Paul say, if, if a man shall not work, he shall not what? Yeah, he's discipling those people. Discipleship deals with it, but we don't use it. If we will invest in the art of discipleship, gifts from God that will set us free from things we can never do on our own, or we can continue to go Harry Houdini until we're frustrated. And we fall down. What do we want to do? Harry Houdini, a fake magician, sorry, or a disciple? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, you have so much truth for us. You have so much freedom experience. You have so much grace for us to receive. We're all, we've already been freed. Help us learn how to live like free people. Help us learn that you are the source of our freedom and our relationship with you is actually what 
creates. Father God, I pray that we will begin a journey of discipleship with you that changes all of our lives, no matter where they're at. And thank you for the truth that saves us and sets us free. And I pray we experience as much of that as we can today. And we pass it on to others. In Jesus' name, amen. Anybody want the grace of Jesus? Anybody want the truth that will set them free? I promise we can figure out that together, how to get that. If you already know you're ready to get that, by putting Christ on in baptism, we invite you to come now as we stand and sing.